Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. It might have been challenging, but you know, that has been part of my story too, is what drove me to wanting to make my family proud and wanting to make decisions that would be helpful to other people coming behind me, you know? It, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I was just convinced that I had to make life easier for my sister, at least, <laughs> you know, and uh, it didn't matter what it took. It did not matter if, if I never been anywhere and it just had to be done you know and I think that helps a lot I also have to tell you I've worked in the state of Texas for like two years and then I moved to a company that I became um, I, I, I was working for the state of Texas but I learned all the other state taxes when I moved to this company in New Jersey uh, but my, by that time my sister is graduating and uh, I'm moved and stabilized myself in one place in New Jersey and worked for this manufacturing company. And I don't know what it is, but I worked so hard, Simone. I was the first one in the office at 7 a.m. in the morning and I was the last one out of there at 7 p.m. I, I had this thing about, and maybe it's a perception that people had about of Mexicans that they maybe don't work very hard. I was a female. I was learning everything I could and I learned, a, everything I could, everything. It's just, I was a sponge. And, and so I feel sometimes we put a lot of that effort and it's not necessary, right? But in my mind, it was, it was necessary. And I had to work twice as hard as everybody else. Right. And an interesting comment as I'm unfolding this whole idea of the intersections of being, for me, a black female, an immigrant female, and then a female, right? So there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot to handle there. And, you know, there's this uh, conversation out there about, you usually hear a lot of Black folks say, you know, that they're told when they're growing up, you're going to have to work twice as hard to get to anywhere mm-hmm. in life, because that's ju- you know, the color of your skin. That's just the way things are set up. Mm-hmm. But I think that is also similar for immigrants as well, mm-hmm. because you come in, you have an accent, People think, okay, you don't belong here. You're you're foreign. You're from another place. And so that psyche, you already know that you come in and you're going to have to put in an extra effort to get to where you need to go. I might even say you might even have to work harder than somebody who was born here just for the fact that you are considered alien or foreign to this land. And, um, you, you know, a lot of immigrants, you see them just hustling, trying to make sure that they get things done for their families and putting in the work because it's almost expected. Yes, absolutely. And, and again, I don't know why, but I think it's just, uh, it happens even in older generations of immigrants, right? 
they work twice as hard. And I suspect it would probably be likely the same for future generations. But it's, it's interesting how your mind is set that way. It was hard for me not to accept that it was okay to work like everybody else. <laughs> but you know, it paid off. I'm sure it did pay off. You, you know, the work ethic is a big mentality that's part of that immigrant mentality. It's very rare that you come across an immigrant who's here and who's serious about their opportunity being here in the United States, that they're, they won't have a very strong work ethic. I'm, I'm yes. sure there are cases out there where people really squander their opportunity for you know being here in the United States. But I think for the most part, you will not come across an immigrant who just slacks off when they get a job, right? <laughs> so. I think so. You know, and I think it comes from our parents too, right? I mean, they understand, like my mom certainly made sure I had the work ethic, uh, but she saw it from her mom, you know, and I think you're right. I think immigrants, you know, just just naturally want to work um, and they don't, they don't just like decide not to do something. I, I also think it's part of learning. As I mentioned, I think a lot of my work also related to like, how much can I learn so I can advance myself? Right, right. Similar to my story too. I remember mm-hmm. saying, uh, sharing earlier in the podcast, how every summer I was taking extra classes. I mean, you know, pe- friends and, and family were out having fun. I would be in class during the summer because I, I didn't understand it when I was younger, but I just felt like I needed to understand where I was. I was excited to be here. I wanted to learn. I was just a kid. I wasn't thinking on the <laughs> level I'm thinking now after having years of experience in the workplace and life experience, but I just, I was curious and I wanted to learn and just to go achieve the next thing. And Yeah, so that was part of my driving force, too, as well. So I can totally relate to that. But you've done some amazing things. And I'm sure your family is proud of you. And your sister was able to come as a first-generation immigrant and get into Yale. Mm -hmm. And and the things and sacrifices that you made getting up early and putting in the work Mm -hmm. so she could be able to have a, a bit of an easier walk. Yes, absolutely. And, and actually, you mentioned something super important, someone like you were taking classes, I mean, you were learning and taking classes in the summers and that. I think education is so key, right? I mean, it, even if it was my secretarial experience, it was still education. And, and through my whole life, even after my accounting degree, I, I went to uh, get my MBA. I actually went to the University of uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee to get a certification in state and local taxation. I'm, I'm always looking for the next education I can get. Uh, and, and again, you, it, it's expensive, you know, but it is so worth it and it's absolutely achievable. You know, you, you absolutely have all these opportunities here. Right, right. So there, you know, I I also spoke about the fact that there are tons of scholarship if people just Mm -hmm. seek out the information. There's so much online these days. But back, I want to say 20 years ago, when I was like young and trying to figure it out, you know, and I guess I'm aging myself here a little bit, but... (laughs) You know, we didn't have internet or phones when we first came. So I was in the library reading. And so, you know, I I find a lot of times people tend to shy away from going off to that um, after high school, going to get their first degree or second degree because Mm -hmm. of the student loan option. But, you know, there's lots of scholarship. And even if you have to take 
out some loans, I think it is actually worth it for you to do that. Um, I've seen a lot of young people these days who are opting not to go to college because of that loan issue. And, you know, I would still, I mean, the opportunity and experiences that the having a college degree opens for you is, you know, it's, it's not comparable to somebody who choose not to go to college. So I would definitely encourage you, even if it means that you have to take those loans and pay it off later on. I think though it opens a new world for you and earning opportunity for you to just create a better life for yourself and, and your, um, and your future. Yes, and I will be very honest with you and transparent. I still have student loans. <laughs> I'm in my mid-50s and I'm okay with this. I chose, I chose actually to get my MBA at Tulane. I never had the experience of going to college 100%. And in my mid-30s, I said, I, I need to have the, that American experience of going to college. I dropped everything, dropped my career and went to college for two years. And, um, and another reason I did that is my sister actually had moved to New Orleans as well. By this time, she's married and her husband is studying uh, Latin American studies in um, Tulane. And I go, I can apply to Tulane. I can get in, you know, I can figure this out. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. And I actually got in and um, I got half a scholarship, but I had to pay for the other half, you know? So I was okay. And, and I have to tell you, when my sister was at Yale, I did pay for a lot of things, but she still, I said, I encourage her to get loans and say, this is not her freebie. You know, we have to work hard and we have to get this, you know, and eventually we'll pay it. And I would suspect she still also has student loans, but but that's okay. You know, that's okay. For us, at least it was, because we cannot, we cannot, uh, you know, change that experience and that education that we got. Right. No. And the opportunities and the life that you've been able to create for yourself is um, completely different had you not, you know, taken some of those, um, you know, sometimes you have to do things that will open other doors for you. You know, Mm -hmm. things aren't always easy. And that's just part of paying your way. That's just how things are. And so sometimes you have to put in make a deposit in an order for you to be able to get something out. So, you know, that's part of the deposit that you have to make. I, I believe. love that analogy. I love that analogy. Right. You know, because um, I think some people at times may think that, oh, you know, there's not a scholarship or there's not a free path, but sometimes you have to deposit something in order for life to open other doors for you. Yes. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of been my resolution after some experiences. Can you can you talk to some challenges? I know you might you alluded to a few of them earlier. And I can imagine there are probably others for you and your sister and your family, um, adjusting to this American life, figuring out, you know, how things work. What were some challenges that came along? And how did you go about, you know, working around them and solving them to get to where you are today? Yes, I quite you know, looking back, you can all, you can see the challenges that you went through when you're going through them. Sometimes they're very obvious, but sometimes you're not, you don't realize that you're going through them. (laughs) But looking back, I mean, obviously we had the most common ones, you know, which was discrimination, you know, only speaking Spanish, not English, 
being a female in a male-dominated world and banking in the 80s, you know, that was quite that was quite a, a scene. And I was able to live through it and see what my counterparts, older managers and, and mentors sometimes had to go through. Um, so women still have challenges, right? Immigrants still have challenges. Um, not being able to speak uh, the language could, you know, cost you jobs. I remember one time, uh, Simone, when I was working in the software company and Emmanuel was taking care of the software and trying to learn Spanish, I mean, English by typing some of the letters for the secretary. I accidentally ended up picking up the phone one day and the person on the other side could not understand much of what I was saying. And it turned out to be a director of the bank. And oh. so that, yes, that director contacted, you know, the person I reported to and in, in, in polite ways said, can you please ask Sylvia not to pick up the phone again? You know, and so those are the little lessons that you take on and the challenges, right? And, and it's so insignificant, that moment in my life, but I've never forgotten it. And it, I took it upon myself to make sure that I, I really figured out how I was going to speak better, uh, how I, I was going to communicate better and, and by no means I am better, much better, extremely better. I know there's a lot of uh, people that are, that are so good in communication and speaking, but I was not gonna let it stop me. And what's interesting now, I'm speaking with you, you know, and I love doing these things, but I do a lot of webinars. I, I have people attend my webinars, 300, 400 people, and they all want to listen to what I want to say, what I'm saying about sales and use taxes. And I'm, I always think about that moment, you know? Um, so for me, that was, that was, a, that was like, I think, one of those moments in my life, you know, that, that really still is in my head. Right, right, right. How did you and your sister work things out for her to finish college and, and all of that? How did that play out for you? And then your dad being on the other side, your mom trying to figure things out. How did the family work it out in the latter years? Yeah, well, so once my sister went to college, my mom actually went back with my dad to Cuernavaca. And uh, she's there still. My, my dad passed away about 12 years ago. And uh, that's where her friends are. You know, that's where her life is. And it was before she came to the United States. And now it's back to dad. And my sister, uh, she finished college. And she got married and uh, moved to, to, to New Orleans. Like I said, her husband was going to Tulane, getting his uh, PhD there. And um, they are happily living in the Princeton area uh, because her husband works for a um, Princeton University. And she actually works for a company that encourages kids from around the world to attend this high school that goes around the world, moving from country to country. So the kids, when they graduate this high school, they have experiences in many different countries. It's a very unique situation. So she recruits kids from around the world to attend this 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 high school. Wow, that's amazing. What's the name? I'm I'm my I'm intrigued. Yes, it's it's called I think Global. Think. Oh, global. it's in New Orleans or some. I'm kind of confused. Is it New Orleans or in New Jersey side? Well, it's actually it's in it's the the person that started this this uh, uh, high school. Um, 
is from New York City, but like I said, it, this high school is not in a place. Like my sister was from her home, but the, the school is called Think Global. If you go to Think Global, you know, uh, website, and you can see the kids from all over the world try to apply for this high school uh, to try to get in and, and go through three or four years of high school around the world. And eventually, I think that the next graduating class is in Greece uh, this summer. <laughs> so all the kids are going and their parents, you know, um, are helped, you know, to get to where they're going to be graduating. So it's a very interesting, uh, to me, uh, looking at my sister being five years old and almost a, a complete circle coming to being fulfilled in helping other kids learn other cultures through high school in different countries. You know, it's amazing. Wow, it's an intriguing idea. I definitely have to look that up and check it out because I have a three-year-old here. And I love I call myself a citizen citizen of the world because I love different cultures. I love to travel. I love to study different languages, learn different languages. And so I'm hoping to be able to expose her to some of that. So I'll definitely be checking out this high school. It's amazing. Definitely. It's an amazing idea. I can't just imagine the world that these children are exposed to. It's amazing. Is it? You know, she tells me how she's recruiting kids from Afghanistan, or a kid from you know uh, Laos, or a kid from Australia. You know, the, these kids are amazing, and that's our future. Wow, it definitely is. Is it? Is it a virtual school? Then it sounds like it. Are they all connecting to the high school from different locations, or are they traveling here? and residing physically at a, a location in the United States? They're traveling to the country and residing there for like a, a whole semester. So for example, one semester would be in Oaxaca, Mexico. And another semester would be in, you know, uh, Athens, Greece, or another one would be uh, in a city in Africa. You know, every semester will be a different location and they travel with their teachers and they immerse themselves in the culture and learning everything they need to know. Plus, you know, obviously the normal classes they do need to know. <laughs> uh, but it's an ex the experience of really getting immersed um, in, in these countries. Amazing, wonderful concept. I love it, mm -hmm. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So on the other side of, I think I can just so vividly see some of your challenges as a young lady back then you know, trying to make sure your mom was okay. There's, I think, a special relationship for immigrant women or immigrant mm -hmm. females when you're younger, teenage, early 20s, and you have a mom who's trying to um, adjust to the uh, living in a new country. I think there's a, a special bond there. I had that definitely with my mom and trying to help her navigate the United States. And so I completely get that. I, I can vividly see you trying to make sure your mom was okay, getting up early and making sure your sister were, uh, was also okay, taking night classes. So I can just imagine and see some of those challenges that you may have had just to make sure that your life was taken care of, what you're looking out for two other people as well. So can you speak to some of the opportunities that may have come along to help things just make it uh, make life a little bit easier? Maybe someone may have helped you or pointed you in a, in a specific or 
certain direction that just made, you know, open another world for you. Anything that may have helped in that way? Yes, absolutely. You know, it's amazing how you're doing a job and you are working really hard and then somebody looks at you and they say, you actually have potential. You perhaps should be looking at this. That's how I ended up going to accounting school. I had a female mentor. My mentors were females in the 80s, which is amazing to me to think about. And, and I can imagine their struggles. They were American, but they were female in a male's world. And they had positions that they worked really hard to get to. And uh, they encouraged me to, to take these positions. Likewise, when I was in New Jersey, I had a female mentor, Robin. She was uh, phenomenal. She just encouraged me so much you know, to learn. Um, so my opportunities came from folks that actually saw something in me and encouraged me more to do more, to, to, to say, this is not beyond your means. You can absolutely achieve anything you want to. And that, that is really, in a nutshell, most of my opportunities because I kind of had to make the path for myself, right? I didn't have the opportunity to, to have other types of mentorships or teachers or things like that, that, that really um, encouraged me that much. Right. And it sounded like you paid a lot of your way through college and taking mm -hmm. nights while working during the day. So mm -hmm. um, no specific scholarship opportunities. Very few, very few. I took the ones that were available. You know, I did get into lane with a half a scholarship. So that was great. Uh, but it's, it, it was only half. <laughs> I actually right. remember working at nights at Tulane. I still worked, even though I was still having the full experience of being there full time. I did take, uh, you know, some little jobs here and there so I could uh, make some money. <laughs> I think so many people <laughs> will listen to you talking and can relate. I mean, I did the same thing, too. When I was doing my master's program, I was working at night. And I tried it, but, you know, my health started declining. I was working from 11 to 7, coming home, sleeping for a few hours, and then getting up by midday and going off to class at 1 or 2. And I, I got so ill. I was forced to quit because it was so, you know, trying to stay awake for that third shift was really right. hard. And so, yeah, it's not an easy thing what you did. I think your interview and another lady from Jamaica that I interviewed, her name is Authorine Walker. She also was, you know, worked at nights. She was a nurse and studying while she was being a nurse at night and going to school, change her clothing in the morning and heading off to school after not <laughs> sleeping the night before. I remember being in high school and one poem that we always recited as student goes like this. The heights by great men or women was not achieved by sudden flight, but while they, their companions slept, they were toiling upwards through the night. And so a lot of times that poem has stayed with me over the years from high school, because yeah. a lot of times in order to get somewhere, it sometimes require you doing the night hour, putting in the night hour work in order for you to get to where Absolutely. you are. And so your experience, your story, and this other lady's, uh, story bring that poem back to me that I learned from high school a lot of times you have to immigrants have to put in the night hours in yes. order to get to the next level you know anybody can do this right I I would be remiss on it if I didn't tell you or, or, or as as we're uh, getting close to I know we've been talking for a while 
if, if I didn't tell you, uh, it was not an opportunity, but it was more of a blessing. I found my second husband when, um, or he found me rather, <laughs> when, <laughs> I was, <laughs> when I was at, at Tulane in New Orleans, he was also going to the MBA program and he was so nourishing and we graduated, we moved to California. And then I said, I really do think I can build the software you know, I, I, I experienced this for so many years and he was so supportive and, and you need somebody in your life, you know, that supports what you're doing. So when you asked me about the opportunities, I go, well, it was, it was not an opportunity, but it was definitely, you have to, if somebody believes in you that much, like I believed in my sister, he believed in me and I was able to build the software and move to North Carolina and 10 years after we built it, I sold it to a larger company, which is the one that I'm working for right now. So it's almost for me, a full circle of, of the experience, right? Wow, wow, yeah, that's a blessing to have a partner yeah. who would support you to that level and not be, not feel that their light is dimmer because they allow you to shine as a woman, you know? Right, exactly. That's special, that's mm -hmm. special, fine, he's a gem. <laughs> <laughs> he is. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. So I'm wondering, you know, were there any big surprises about the American culture versus Mexican culture? I know you guys are very family oriented and there's a lot around eating and, and spending. There's two hour lunches in Mexico when I was there and wished I could have two hour lunches. Like people would go off, I guess, from 12 to two and then they would work late. What, what was some of the big surprises or, or, or adjustments for you, you know, coming from a Mexican culture versus, you know, now having to live in an American culture? You know how I mentioned how my dad used to have dinner with had all of us at dinner? Um, that's exactly why, because they had a different uh, timing, right? In Mexico, you had... Uh, breakfast, then you went to work, then you had a few hours, you know, uh, for uh, early lunch, and then you went to work again, and then there was dinner time, which was much later than in the U.S. In the U.S., at least my experience has been very structured, that like you have to wake up at a certain time, go to school, lunch, you know, come back, study, go to sleep, and do the same thing again, right? It's, it's, it's very, in my, in, in my mind, it's a bit repetitive. So it was a little different to adjust when you're used to different schedules, you know, and different things that used to happen. So that, it, it was not a challenge, but it was definitely something different, you know, that we're not used to um, in the Mexican culture. I think maybe that's what you were referring to when, when, when you said, yeah, yep, you had a few hours to go to go to lunch, right? <laughs> right. No, it was quite nice. I mean, people really spend time with family and friends. That's something I noticed when I was living there. It was, you know, family was big and you guys spend time together. You have fun together. You know, when you guys have parties, it goes late and, you know, you really commune. And so I'm just wondering. It's very fast for you guys. Yeah, right. very fast paced. I adjusted to it, but it's very nice. Like I told you, when I go to Mexico to relax and, and experience that again, it kind of like uh, gives me infusion to come back <laughs> and continue the fast pace. Right. You're right. You're able to rest and come back and pick up the wheel again, right? <laughs> yes. 
Uh, do you have any advice, Sylvia, for uh, new residents, new immigrants, people who are here, maybe a young person trying to make their way, make their way uh, here in the United States? Maybe somebody who might be going through similar things like you were back at 15. What yeah. advice would you lend to somebody listening in today? My advice would be maybe things don't look that great or bright or, or simple. You know, but the rewards later on are so, so sweet. And I, I would say, don't give up. Do everything that you can to make sure that you have all those opportunities that are available to everybody in this country. And despite some of the negativity sometimes or the obstacles, it, it doesn't matter because it's your life and you only live once. And, and it's all available and very we should be eventually grateful that we got the opportunities that we did. Do you offer any services outside of your full-time job, like coaching or anything that you do? Do you do painting or art that people might be able to find your service online? I do not. I wish I was doing painting <laughs> when I retired. <laughs> but when I retired, I tried painting and it was so overwhelming because there were so many other things I needed to do. You know, uh, unfortunately, I don't. But I do not. You know, I am actually currently uh, active, actively working for this company, which, by the way, is starting a new uh, ERG uh, for diversity and inclusion for uh, Hispanics and Latinx. So I am very much involved in that, but it's within my organization. And who knows, maybe when I retire, I will, I will be uh, doing something else. Right, right. You, quite, you have quite a wealth of um, knowledge uh, that you've gained over the years. Maybe sometime in the future we might discuss at some point. Uh, you know, I don't, so you don't do taxes on the side. You, are you no. a corporate mm-hmm. type of taxation? or Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And yeah, and I take care of the product itself, right, that, that, that uh, works for those people that do the taxes. <laughs> okay, so you're behind like the softwares and things Ex- that people use to provide tax services. Exactly. Okay, wonderful. Well, I hope you're able to get to that retirement point soon. As we discussed briefly earlier, I hope the passing of the pandemic will allow you and your husband in your personal business ventures to get to a point where you're able to retire? Because it sounds like you've been working for what now, maybe 30 plus years? Well, a lot of years. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Sylvia, it's been such a pleasure listening to you today. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you, Simone. I appreciate your time and we welcome you back whenever you might have something additional to share, maybe you go into a new venture and you'd like to uh, share with others, uh, we offer the space to you in the future. If you'd like to come back, we thank you for your time and we wish you the very best. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. All right, Sylvia. Thank you so much for joining us. So thanks listeners for tuning in to another episode. Join us next Wednesday again for another story of an amazing immigrant trying to make their way here in the United States. Take care, walk good. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, 
subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence.